Oh, it's so good to be in church. Oh, for all of you who are out of state right now, especially those uh, in Texas, friends, family, all of God's beautiful people, we want you to know right here in Rochester, New York, we have deep compassion um, because our cities are used to moving snow and we know what snow shovels, shovels are and our houses are built different and our hearts reach out with great compassion uh, for those who are struggling and, and are, are struggling to get food and running water. But we want you to know we love you, we're praying for you and this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And may God's provision reach you in a wonderful way. But know that we are carrying you in our hearts. So here we are this morning. Let me just look at you. I don't recognize half of you. Without you, with your masks, I don't know who to call friend or run from. But it's so good. And those who are joining us online, um, we want to encourage you to know that the, the campuses, uh, Greece campus are opening soon, and we're so excited. Um, campuses are safe, and it's almost time for you to return to church and realize that there's enough space and cleaning and everything going on. And, um, but you stay as long as you feel you need to stay online. But just so you know, as your pastor, there is something so magical when you get together in corporate worship like that. But still, we love you being at home and engaged. And, but I'm so thankful to be here. And we've been speaking on the, the topic of love. And, and, and I can tell you, um, the topic of love has been one of the uh, most confronting topics in a strange way. Um, I've been preaching on many topics, um, Ernestine. And, and strangely, the one on love has stirred a lot of interesting conversation. Some of it has been quite confrontational conversation, and I realized that when Jesus came to speak about love, um, it was so paradoxical to exposing really the heart of man. Love is something um, that is so transformative, and it's so exposing of our own cobwebs that we sometimes justify. And, and I want to remind you that we all stare into Scripture as a reflection of God. Um, I am confronted with the same Scripture as you are. The gospel of Jesus confronts us all that when it makes you uncomfortable, doesn't mean you should write an email and feel upset. Because Jesus said, I have come to be an offense to people. Because the, the gospel of Jesus is there to, to point to us what we have built for ourselves as a comfortable mindset, and, and it, it challenges us. So this morning, I want to share with you a, a story, but I would want to take a moment and just welcome Dominique Duncan. He is, he is here with us. Um, he's serving in the Air Force, and it's so, so good to see you. Um, yeah, thanks for your service, Dominic. He, he, man, he grew up, he grew up in church as a kid, and so I'm so proud of him. You know, um, let, let me share this with you. The message this morning is I'm going to go halfway there and talk about it next week some more. 
but we want to talk about love and action, and we're going to be sharing with you, with you some love and action uh, projects, and I don't want to call it projects, it's missional things that we can get involved in, because love is not just a feeling, it's a doing, right? And, but we are, we are so programmed as people to um, be wired the other way. Um, my wife, Marlies, I'm so thankful she is here this morning. Um, she, she has this thing that she does with us as a family. Um, uh, whenever it's somebody's birthday, um, she would always stop the conversation and she would go first. And everybody takes time to validate and appreciate and express verbal love to the person whose birthday it is, right? And she goes first, and it just flows out of her. You know her. Oh, my God, she paints, and she paints, and, and the per everybody is crying around the table. And then they go like next, and the person that is next is like, <coughs> I don't know what to say, right? And, and you always walk away. You only understand the value of that moment once you are the birthday person. And you realize what love express through words does to the soul. Everything that you get will be sold at a garage sale or go on the curb. But the words that come out of someone's mouth that expresses love, you carry that with you for an eternity, right? But the question that we always wonder is, why is it so hard to do it when we know how valuable it is? And I'm going to say this because we are wired to criticize, not to love. Nobody goes like, it's so hard to judge people. When we board, we sit in the mall and we just look at people and go like, look at that idiot. Oh, dear God. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to say negative thing about people. We are wired. We almost feel better about ourselves when we break others down. But the gospel confronts us in an interesting way because, you see, there is a story in the Bible of a, a, a lawyer of the law of Moses that came to Jesus. That means that this person is so well-trained that as a lawyer, he defends the Scripture, the, the, the law of Moses, and he came to Jesus. And what is interesting about what he asked Jesus is a question that I think we all ask ourselves to this day. He asked this, teacher, what is the requirement of the law that I must obey to live in heaven forever? First of all, there is so much to be said about that statement because I want to remind you that there is nothing that you and I can ever do perfect that qualifies us for heaven. If you think that obeying every rule in the Bible qualifies you to have relationship with God, you miss the power of the gospel because the power of the gospel, Jesus says, I have put law in place to frustrate you to realize you cannot obey the law only by trusting me. The good works will flow from you because of your faith in me, not because you're a good person. But that doesn't mean that goodness doesn't flow from us. So as a good teacher, you know if you're a teacher, the best teachers always answer a question with a question. Right? You don't answer it because you want to first know 
what do you believe and what's behind your question? And Jesus said to the expert of the law, what does the law of Moses say? And he answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, with all of your strength, all of your passion. And here comes the irritating part, and you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. How does the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, fits in that? If you look at the Ten Commandments, the th first three commandments is about loving God, and the next seven is about loving people. Don't steal, uh, don't covet, don't lust after your neighbor's wife or husband, whatever that is. It, it is just the law of God. And, and then Jesus said something interesting about the whole thing. In Luke chapter 10, 28, Jesus said these words, that is correct, now go do exactly that and you will live. Now, when you read that, that sounds real simple. But you see, there is another scripture in the book of John chapter 13 that I want us to read together. Because I want to underline this. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a doing. Oh, I would get that tattooed somewhere. Love is more than a feeling. It's a doing. If all I've got to tell my wife is, I love you, <laughs> and that's the extent of it, you will not get past six months of marriage. Because, because you love, you do certain things. Because you love. Josh did such a great uh, job at preaching of love, and Caleb did such a great job, because you see what we've discovered is, love is patient doesn't mean love feels patient. It's when you choose to act with patience, it's because you love. When you choose to act with kindness, when somebody else is bullish and angry, it is because you choose to love. Love is doing, it's not just feeling. Now let's read together John 13. Everybody, come on, those online, read out loud with me. I promise you, you will not spread a germ. Just keep your mask on and read out loud. Here we go. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other deeply and fully. I love that. Then it says this, remember the ways that I have loved you and, okay, go on, shout out that word. Demonstrate your love for others in the same way. What does the word demonstrate mean? The word demonstrate is quite simple. It means to give practical exhibition, to show clearly the existence of truth by action that is visible to other people. In other words, love is not just words. Love is not just the feeling. It moves into action that is visible. And I can tell you the way that I love my wife is the way I saw my dad love my mom. He's 86, she's 84, and to this very day, he's clingy. Do you know what I mean with clingy? Go like, don't you ever get too old to kiss her in the kitchen? Like, at which point do you go like, you just, it's okay. You've reached the line. But no, oh, to this day, he opens the door. My, my dad gets so angry when I miss the small things because he says, demonstrate your love. Let, let what you do declare what you feel. That is so important. And, and this is so important because you see this religious scholar that came to Jesus and asked the question was, it was not a question about, I want to go to heaven, what must I do? 
it was a question of who is my neighbor? Because he knows how to love God. We all do. But when it comes to loving our neighbor, that's the irritating part that we wish never existed. Because how many of you know there are too many people that God made unlovable? Come on. C can we be honest? Can we be honest? Yeah, you can put in your one hand the people that you love. Why? Because they're almost like you. Right? But the world is filled with unlovable people. So he wanted to know who really, this is what he is saying. What qualifies people to be considered my neighbor that I have to love? That is what he is saying. And in that time, there are some cultural um, arguments. There are religious arguments. There are social economical arguments. There are perspective of life arguments. And those arguments remain to this very day. You say, what do you mean? Because he wanted to justify loving only a certain group of people. And, and, and so during those times, I want you to know that there were people in the culture of the Jewish people that they looked at Jews and you would think everybody that loves God is my neighbor, but that was not how they saw it. There were a group of Jewish people called the Essenes, the Essenes that lived in the desert, almost like the Pennsylvania Amish that feel that they've got to live separate and apart because they want, don't want the contamination of the world to infiltrate their community. And the Essenes lived in the desert and they taught that you love the children of the light and you hate the children of the darkness. And if you were to ask them, who's the children of the light? They would say, those who are part of our community is children of the light. In other words, they are saying, everybody in our circle, we love. Everybody on the outside, we don't love. Does that sound familiar that to this day that people think that way? That we will love everybody inside this building, but jerks outside of this building? Uh-uh, it's not how it works. The second group of people that was part of their world uh, were the Gentiles. Those were the Romans and the other nations, and they believed strongly that because of God's predestination, that the, the favor of God was not for them, just for us. In other words, God's concern is with us and with no one else. And I want you to know that um, the United States of America is not the Jewish people of today. God loves the world. He doesn't just love us. He loves everybody. But, but that's not with the end where it stopped. Then there were the Samaritans. To this day, we see the battle in Palestine and Israel because they both claim Moses and Abraham and the promise of land. And to this day, there is a war going on that has been going on for ages. But the Jewish people considered the Samaritans lower than stray dogs. In other words, you would rather feed a stray dog before you reach out to a Samaritan. Now keep that in mind. Keep in mind that we, too, have different categories of people that we say, that's my neighbor, that's not my neighbor. Because of that, and because of that, and Jesus tells the story. Anaji, the story starts with music. Long, long time ago in a country far, far away, Jesus said these words, 
There was a Jewish man that traveled between Jericho and Jerusalem. It was a trade road. Many people traveled on that road and there were land pirates that would take advantage of people. And this Jewish man was going about his business. He was mugged, beaten, bleeding. They stripped him naked and left him to die. And Jesus says, then a Jewish priest came walking down the road. Now the priest's job was elevated because you couldn't choose to be a priest. It comes through the bloodline of Aaron. Every day this priest would serve God through sacrifices and cleansing rites to the people in the temple. And there was a law that if he touches anything that is dead for seven days, he was unclean and had to go through cleansing rites. So he was walking down the road and he sees a man lying in the street. Scripture says immediately he crossed to the other side. Now in that moment you wonder, what caused you to cross to the other side? Surely as a priest in the presence of God, you should be compelled to help those who are in need. Well, can I tell you what I think? I think in that moment, he was thinking more about his profession than what he was thinking about his mission. I think he was more concerned with who he is than what God wanted to do through him in others. Maybe he was busy preoccupied or could it be really in that moment that his concern was only for the people in the temple and he had an indifference towards people on the outside could it be that his circle of care was so small and because he's always in the temple he has forgotten the brokenness of the world because you see the word indifference is an interesting word it's the same as being apathetic. And, and I, I love, I love going to the very origin of words. And I read something that says, indifference is someone who has the freedom from suffering that is living a passionate, passionless existence towards others in need. You know what that means? That means if you've always had money for rent, you find someone who cannot pay their rent as an irritation, you've come to the conclusion they don't know how to work with money. Because you have always had the privilege to have, now you want to judge in a moral court those who are needy, and they have now become an inconvenience to your profession. Wow. Say, thank God I'm not a priest. But the Bible says, then a second man came, a Levite. Levites were born in the tribe of Le Levite. And they were worshipers. God says, out of all 12 tribes, the Levites are mine. Every day, everybody that's born a Levite would go into the temple and all they do is worship God and assist the priest. Now you would think, if I were to be in God's presence every day worshiping Almighty God, that 
something about His presence would transform my heart and make it tender and, and gracious, right? Somewhere along the line that what I worship has got to get into my skin, right? But the Bible says there's something different about Him. When He saw the man, He was inquisitive. He walked up to the man and He was inquisitive and investigated, but then he too moved to the other side of the road. And I go like, wait, 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 wait. Why did the priest not even get close and went to the other side? He just changed the channel. This guy get close and then he makes up his mind. Yep, it's too messy. I want to go to the other side. I think with all of my heart, there was a big difference between the one and the other. You see, I think the Levite investigated and realized it's going to take too much to help. And there was a lack of compassion that he did not have in his heart. He calculated the cost. This was not just throwing a penny at a problem. This was going to take time, effort, and resources. And he calculated that. And because he lacked compassion in his heart. He moved to the other side of the road. I want to read to you a statement of a book that I read recently. And it says this, Bold love is courageously setting aside our personal agenda to move humbly into the world of others with their well-being in mind, willing to risk further pain to our own souls in order to be a aroma of life to the one in need. Can I say this to you? There is truly no help that comes at no cost. There is no help that comes at no cost. Do you know that when we were laid out in darkness, it cost the life of God's only Son to come to our rescue. And then the Bible says, then came a Samaritan. <laughs> now remember the story I told you about the Samaritan. The Samaritan has been treated like the lowest form of life. As a matter of fact, when a Samaritan and a Jewish person is walking on the street, the Samaritan always go to the other side of the street because they feared the scorn and the abuse from the Jewish person. The, the Samaritan was the lowest form of life existence, and the Samaritan walked up and he saw this Jewish man lying, bleeding, and he realized that this is a man, and, and, and I, I want to say this is only natural to uh, our, our normal understanding that if anybody had permission to literally spit on the Jewish man and say, you deserve this, it is the Samaritan. He could have said, well, it sucks to be you. How does that feel? He could have poured out anger and justify that you have, have berated and belittled my people, and now you're at my feet. But you know what Scripture said? Oh, I love this. Luke chapter 10, 33. Come on, let's read it out loud. 
Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man. And he was moved with gentle compassion. Gentle compassion. You know what's so interesting? They believe that the very core of the human soul was the belly. And compassion means not sympathy, but to be moved in your gut to the point of getting sick. Where you feel so deep that you are compelled to do something. Sympathy says, I feel sorry for you. Compassion says, I have to do something about this. Can I tell you the difference between God stepping into the places of need and other prophets and other people that came along? Every time Jesus came into a village, the Bible says he was deeply moved with compassion. He was deeply moved with compassion. He didn't feel sorry for people. He couldn't stand seeing the brokenness of people. He had to do something. He was moved. He, he had to pray. He had to multiply the fish and the bread. He had to find the need. There was something in him that was so broken. And you know what it was? It was not human nature because you and I were born selfish. Our kids cannot even hold nothing and their hands begin to say, mine, everything is theirs. Our human nature is incapable of obeying God's law and our human nature is incapable of loving people like God loves them. But there is the glorious understanding that you and I have been recreated. Come on, just say recreated. I love how Ephesians says, he says, you are God's masterpiece. Come on. Would you just point to the person next to you and say, you know, you, you know fake. Uh, you, you, you know fake reproduction. You know fake reproduction. You're not. You're not. You're not a fake reproduction. No, no matter what you're going through, you're a masterpiece. And the Bible says you've been recreated created. So the question that I have is, why would you break ranks with people who live a life for good times and become someone who preoccupies your love, motivated by good deeds because you're compelled by love? Because you see, good times will always fight the moments of good deeds. Listen, you can write this down. Every moment that God provides for you will disrupt what you want to do really. God creates these moments. And the Bible says He has recreated in you because He has foreordained all these good things that God wants to do through your life. I don't know how to better explain it to you this morning. Love is a sacrifice for the undeserving that opens the door to the restorative move of God where people will discover the love of a father. Hey, I have lived a long time. I've seen a lot of need. And I've never seen it work where I become the reporter to God and go like, hey, hey, I found one. Take care of him. And God sends angels. 
Have you ever seen it work that way? Have you ever seen it? If you do, you need to go see a counselor because something's wrong. There's no angels. Because God in His infinite wisdom, and I think it's a terrible plan. I really do think it's a terrible plan. In God's infinite wisdom, He has decided that His sons and daughters that has experienced His love will become the hands and the feet and the responsiveness of heaven to people in need. He has decided that we are it. You and I are it. And our decision in that moment is costly. Because to the other two guys, they can say, well, at least you got back to the temple in one piece. But they missed an opportunity to be the living, breathing demonstration of the mercy and the love of God. Can I tell you that the Bible says that God showers goodness over all, the good and the bad. Can I tell you that it's an insult to decide who is worthy of the love of God? Because it is not your love, it is not your time, it is not your perception, it is it's not, are you good enough for me? Because in my mind, I don't know why it is. Every time I see need, I always go like, those are nice Nikes you have there. Yup. I think you just need to get a job. What am I doing? I'm trying to discover, are you worthy of my help? Can I tell you, it's got nothing to do with me. It's God that says, Pierre, can I send you and collide you with somebody that's in desperate need of my goodness? Can I trust you to respond in that moment with my love, not your love? Your love is cheap and conditional. My love is covenantal. My love reaches into you. Say, but what if I get conned? My question is, have you ever conned God? I would shout amen right now and get to heaven. How many times have you said, God, if you get me out of this, I will never do this ever again. This is the last time, I promise. Yep. Have you like said that 900 times already? So what does God do when you come to him and say, I messed up again? Does he go like, oh, oh, mm, 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 mm. You're conning me. No. Even when we are unfaithful, he's faithful. You can't get conned when you respond as the hands and the feet of Jesus because you are just the instrument of grace. I am just the instrument of grace. And let me say this to you. Jesus teaches us that you and I have got to give demonstration of the love of God in us by this shall they know we are His children. Not by our worship, not by our scripture reading, but by the way we respond to those moments. You say, Pastor Pierre, how will I know those moments? Oh, you'll know. You'll know. Have you ever had one of those seven second moments? Have you ever had, you know when you know you missed that moment is when you get in your car and you feel sick to your stomach and you go like, why didn't I? 
You know why you feel sick to your stomach? Because you were the link between the love of God and the need of humanity. And I'm here to tell you, if we cannot respond in love, then our faith is but noise. If we cannot respond to people who look different than us, see life different than us, without asking questions, we, we, we can't say, what is your race? And are you married or are you living together? We are not the judges of things because the love of Jesus Jesus precedes His conviction. The love of Jesus draws people. Listen, we've got to shake our right to feel we know how to judge and evaluate people. The biggest gift that we can start with, it's words of love. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you two things. Every one of us has someone who has hurt us. Someone who has agitated our lives. Someone that you want to vote off your island. You know what I mean by voting off your island? It may be a, an ex-husband, wife, or a child. And you are carrying the weight of that in your soul. I want to encourage you to find a creative way to show kindness and affirmation that speaks love, not condoning what has happened, but speak forgiveness over what has happened. Because to the measure that we forgive, we will experience forgiveness. And some of you are carrying such heavy burden because you seek justice and God says I seek love because even when you are unfaithful I remain faithful then secondly I want to pray that all of us in a certain way run into a seven second God moment this week whatever it is you will know. And it's not always got to do with money. People look at me. Sometimes it's just to sit with somebody in their pain. Sometimes it's just to be quiet and just being Jesus that is near. Sometimes it will cost you, and we will discover that next week. My favorite moments is when I see all the people in Wagmans, especially old ladies, they have more coupons than what they have a telephone book. And the food that they purchase is so cheap. There is nothing there. Oh, whenever I feel that nudge, I always make eye contact with a person that's the teller, and I go like, watch me, watch me, watch me. And I put my card in, and I walk away. The reason why I want to walk away, because I want them to believe that I'm an angel. They go like, I don't know who he is. I've never seen him again. Because it's about God and his goodness, right? An old lady chased me down. 
She was in her 90s. She wasn't fast. I had a moment where I go like, I can outrun you right now. But listen, it's not about me. It's about the unexpected expression of what you no longer find. Did it cost me much? I don't even know what it was. But her hug, her love, when I looked in the eyes and said, you are not forgotten. God loves you. That is the evidence of the community of faith. And I want to say, Father's house, do that and we will live with living faith. Do that and we will live with living faith. So I invite you to put your hands in front of you like this. Would you just whisper this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I'm incapable of loving people like you love them. But because of your love that lives in me, give me the boldness to not consider the cost, the time or the effort, but be the hands, the feet, the resource and the affirmation of God to anyone that you want to bless. Open my hands. Move me with deep compassion in my heart so that I would be the living evidence that God's sons and daughters will be known by their love. That is my prayer. Say amen. 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 Come on, let's sing this. What a wonderful message that was today. I know personally over the past couple weeks, I have been challenged. I have been convicted by this message series. And how amazing and how wonderful is it that we get to sit underneath a pastor 
who is not afraid to convict and challenge us to love people more. And if you are here in this room with us today, or if you are online, we are about to transition into our Behind the Message uh, series here. So hang out, be with us for a little bit longer. But until we get to see each other again, have an amazing week. We love you and we're praying for you. Welcome to Behind the Message. I'm with my friends Carrie and Andrea. Andrea, you're new to this. You've never done this before, I so am. welcome. I like singing better than talking, so yeah. I don't well, normally do Well, you can sing. Uh, they make me sing on this all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so this would be great. We can have a competition. It would be like American Idol, but yeah. what a service that was. Yeah. That was great. This series is awesome. Very challenging. Super convicting. Or if, if the messages are provoking you, don't write an email. Seek God and figure out why. If it's provoking you, it's working. The yeah. Lord is speaking to us. Yeah, and join a group so you and can talk about it with people. <laughs> join a group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah. So, group, yeah, it was a good sermon, though. Groups are a great way part? to find out your blind spot. Yeah. Because really, you don't know your blind spot if you're talking to all the people that look like you, talk like you, think like you. Sound we like need you. to be around the table, and the table needs to look and sound like other people. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yep. Have some good invigorating conversations that challenge the way you think. Yes. Yeah. So it was a great series. I'm excited for more. I think we have a few more weeks of this mm-hmm. conversation, which is going to be very helpful. And Easter is coming. And first Wednesday. Yeah. First Wednesdays and like two Woo! Wednesdays. Two Wednesdays. Live in person and live online. Yeah. Yeah. First Wednesday. I know that worship has some awesome, awesome songs and things in store. So I'm personally really, really excited for it. That's that's exciting. I know. Yeah. I I'm I'm curious to see what the service will be about because I feel like with love and action. And then I don't know if anyone maybe you're watching online went to the Ash Wednesday service. It was incredible. It was so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where the series takes us. I feel like it's very culturally relevant and. Well, the gospels are all, yeah make sure you invite some friends relevant. come out if you're uh if you're comfortable being in person first place is a great place you haven't been back yet and you're like ah maybe i should go uh, take <laughs> take the plunge yes come back sit in church or watch online the online experience has been wonderful by the way i must yeah. say I, if i do say so myself is, you this guys be- is this because you're a big part of putting on the online <laughs> yeah. experience josh biased yeah. <laughs> semi-biased <laughs> semi-biased <laughs> but we're just happy to be here i heard that the weather's turning nicer again outside oh, yeah. which is great uh-huh. are you be sure because there's like two feet of snow job doesn't matter it's all about perspective <laughs> oh, all right gosh. you're right That's but church true. we're excited we're excited that you're watching uh andrea thanks for joining us for your first behind the message my yes. pleasure if you are someone that's watching plays an instrument likes to sing shameless plug you can join the worship team <laughs> there is a link down below on uh on the continuous loop and go ahead and you can scan that code yeah. and you can be a part of the team yeah, it's awesome. Woo-hoo. Sweet. Yeah, do that if you can sing. I'm going to apply wow. myself. <laughs> I'm going to try out. Singers, rappers, all are included. The whole thing, all and all I do all invited. of it. All of I, do all I didn't realize Josh had either one of those talents, but I can't wait to find out. Yeah, so church, we want to thank you for coming today. Thank you for tuning in. We are excited about next week. Reminder about First Wednesday on March 3rd. It's the first Wednesday of the month. It's going to be awesome right here at the Trilight Campus at 7 p.m. or online at 7 p.m. wherever you find yourself. You can tune in. It's going to be great. But thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you soon.